Now the plumber's got a drip in his spigot And the mechanic's got a clank in his car And the preacher's thinking thoughts that are wicked And the lover's got a lonely heart And my friends ain't the way I wish they were They are just the way they are and I will be my brother's keeper Not the one who judges him I won't despise him for his weakness I won't regard him for his strength And I won't take away his freedom And I will help him learn to stand Oh, I will I will be my brother's keeper Now this roof has got a few missing shingles But at least we've got ourselves a roof And they say that she's a fallen angel Well I wonder if she recalls when she last flew there's no point in pointing fingers Unless you're pointing to the truth I will be my brother's keeper Not the one who judges him I won't despise him for his weakness I won't regard him for his strength I won't take away his freedom I will help him learn to stand Oh, I will, I will be my brother's keeper I will be my brother's keeper Not the one who judges him I won't despise him for his weakness I won't regard him for his strengths And I won't take away his freedom But I will help him learn to stand Oh, I will, I will be my brother's keeper preacher calls on Friday afternoon and says I want you to sing a song and I need the words up on the screen now Shane told you that his favorite line from that song was about my friends ain't the way they ought to be they are the way they are but actually his fa favorite line if he was being honest and you ought to be honest today is the preacher's thinking thoughts that are wicked that was actually his favorite line uh-huh um, I couldn't think of another song that would capture what I want to share today than that one. Uh, oh, Lola has a CD for anyone. I don't know if they're for sale or are you just going to loan it. I didn't. Uh, okay. Uh, I want you to think about this with me this morning. Rich Mullins was the way he was 
because of what Jesus had done in his life. No other explanation for it. Uh, Rich Mullins was captured by who Jesus was and what he was about. If you take the story back 2,000 years, you realize that Jesus set the tone or the spirit that was to exhibit itself in his people by the life that he lived and the things that he taught. Partly, they, they watched the life of Jesus, and he didn't act like, the other rabbis and the other religious people. We'll talk more about it later, but actually the religious people condemned him because he hung around the wrong people. Hmm. So they, the disciples were watching him, and they saw by his actions that there was something different. But I would also contend today there was something throughout the teaching of Jesus that was setting the culture, the tone of their culture. And what we're talking about in these Sundays is kingdom culture. What does the church look like when its culture is saturated by the kingdom of God? Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God through the stories he tells, the principles, by the way he's living. He's relating that. And I want to talk about one of the themes Last Sunday we talked about total submission, and obviously Jesus, I think that's a starting point. But there was something else, and I've been waiting, Brother Barry, I've been waiting for this sermon for a couple weeks now. Because throughout the teaching of Jesus, Jesus was saying that the spirit of the kingdom is characterized, if we had to do one word today, humility. Humility. So we, uh, the first step is total submission. But we could go story by story, episode by episode. And Jesus was teaching his followers about humility. He was said as a leader, as a leader of a movement, Jesus set the tone of humility. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read. It, I'm gonna read one of his stories here in just a minute. But I'm struck by uh, the opening line of his quintessential sermon. So Matthew records the sermon of all sermons, and other gospel writers we get little sections. But it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus set them all down. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters. This sermon that Jesus... I don't know if you remember. This is how Jesus started that sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven, it may say. You want to know who possesses the kingdom? It's the people who are poor in spirit, the humble. And I don't, even, I, don't, I don't know how the people even process that of his day. 
my, my one truth today, i got to talk a little bit, and then we're going to look in Luke 18. Um, I want you to understand the truth today that how we relate to God determines how we relate to others. How we, how we relate to God determines how we relate to others. That's my truth. You can write that one down. It's going to flash off the screen. I'm not going to say it again today. Because I want, to, I want to apply that today. I want you to understand that the way I approach God and relate to Him is the way I'm going. It's going to dictate how I relate to others. Um, can I... Uh, Peyton, can you put up the, the grace, humility, non-judgmental line? Yeah. I'm kind of a visual learner. Uh, and the sermon's on humility today. Jesus was setting the spirit of humility. I want you to know that what Jesus was teaching came from how he wanted people to relate to God. And that's the first word up there in that little equation or line I don't know what you call it when we relate to God through grace and we know that our relationship is one of grace then it's going to create humility in us and when we have humility within us it's going to relate how we relate to others and we're going to be non-judgmental uh, let's talk about grace for just a minute and we're going to see this kind of fleshed out in the story that Jesus tells in Luke 18. But uh, grace means that I relate to God because he loved me enough to establish a relationship with me. It was not about what I did, but what he did ultimately. Don't have time to preach the gospel so much this morning. Through Jesus Christ by his death on the cross. Because God provided for me to have a relationship. It came from the upside, not the downside. God was searching for me. He was providing a way. He established that by grace. This sermon could be on grace this morning, but really the theme is more humility. Now here's the deal. If I know that I, have a, I relate to God through grace and not my own works, then that creates humility in my life. And it should for all of our lives all of our lives and for the rest of our lives. Anything Josh Lester I have in this world, God bless me with that. It was not Daryl Smith pulling himself up by his bootstraps, strings or whatever that's, I'm supposed to say right there. Mm -mm. No, God did it because I wasn't smart enough, couldn't have done it myself. God had to do it. He did it. He blessed me. Therefore, I will always live in a spirit of humility. That not, that not only talks about how I relate to God, but do you understand? If, I'm, if my spirit about my life is humility and nothing I have is really anything I've earned, it's all about what God has done for me, then that, that dictates how I relate to other people. And I chose to use the word non-judgmental. That's what Jesus taught. Whatever you have, God has given you. You didn't earn it. So there's no reason in this world you ought to look down or pass judgment on somebody else. And so 
I want you to get that. That how we relate to God determines how we relate to others. And I want you to see this pattern that because we relate to God through grace, it establishes a spirit of humility in our life, and then it affects how we relate to others in that Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount, judge not, lest you be judged. It's not your business. God's blessed you too much for you to be looking down on somebody else. Now, there's a flip side of this I also want you to know. Peyton, can you put that second one up? We can relate to God through our works. That's it. Well, now, God, listen, I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher. I've given my life for you. And I've made all these sacrifices. And God, think about how good I am and what I have to offer you. And therefore, God, you ought to look down on me and do these things for me or whatever. When I relate to God through my own works, notice the grace side of it, it come, came from the upside. When I know that I relate to God because he chose to love me and respond to my need, that creates humility that then in turn relates how I relate to others, non-judgmental. But when I come to God from my side, my performance, what I can do, it creates not a spirit of humility, but a spirit of pride. Look how good I am. Thinking too highly of myself. And here's the thing. Here's the kicker. It will determine how then I relate to other people. When I think through my works, I'm related to God, and it creates a spirit of pride in my life, it will exhibit itself through being judgmental. I will look down. Of course, I'm the guy sitting on the stage. I feel a little convicted by that right now. I will look down on people. I ought to preach this sermon down on the floor, Brother Cody. I watched, I watched your live stream when I was gone on Sunday. you like Roman. He's like, were you in the balcony at one point? I thought, wow, that dude, he's good. You didn't jump off the balcony to get back to... No, okay. Uh... When we come to God with, through our works, creates a spirit of pride and will exhibit itself by being judgmental, looking down, thinking too highly of ourselves and looking down on others. And um, Jesus taught this, this principle in so many ways. But I went through the Gospels earlier this week and I said, oh, here's the story. One story, it says it all. Um, Luke 18, verse 9. <sighs> also he spoke this parable, an earthly story that teaches us heavenly truths. To some, here it is, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. This is this he's Luke records this is this is who he was talking to that day. He tells the story of two men who went to the temple to pray. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector. We're going to have to come back to that line. Mm. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here's Jesus' conclusion in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's look at verse 9. This is one of those parables in which the gospel writer tells us this is, this is what Jesus was getting at. This is the setting. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Remember what I said about works? They trusted in themselves. Not in God. They trusted in themselves. I'm really a good person. I'm, I got it all together. That They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Uh, which means to have a right standing with God. They trusted in themselves that their works got them in a standing with God. Mm-hmm. Bless their hearts. You know, I, I told this brother Shane, I said, I have to be careful this morning not to come across judgmental for the people who are being judgmental. So, I, that's, but when we say bless their hearts, that's a Christian way of saying, I'm being judgmental, but it's a nice little phrase. You know, well, bless their hearts. I'm still looking down my nose at him, you know. So let me, let me change my tone. We ought to pity the Pharisee. Um, but there were some people that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Uh, I don't have time. But this word righteous is the same word as justified in verse 14. Justified means to be declared righteous. And so there's... Um, they're the bookends to this story. They trusted that what they did for God put them in a right standing with God. But he doesn't just say that. <laughs> Luke says not only did they trust in themselves that they were righteous, but they also despised others. They looked down at other people. Uh, they were judgmental. Uh, verse 10, he draws a contrast by two extreme characters on the end of different ends of this spectrum. Two men went up to the temple to pray. You always go up to the temple, and you always leave, and you go down from the temple. You can see that. One was a Pharisee. Um, one was a tax collector. Boop! Religious insider, religious outsider. The Pharisees started years before this. They were strict Jews who I think the word Pharisee means something like separated ones. They said, we want to live a holy life. I would contend today 
that the Pharisees started with the right and good intentions of their lives honoring God. But it's what developed from there when you got to Jesus' day that the one set of people that Jesus had a problem with were these religious insiders, Pharisees. You got the tax collector on the other side. Um, the Jewish people were, in, were occupied by the Romans, and some of the Jews whoop, were traitors. They went to work for the Romans by collecting taxes. Uh, the tax collectors were ostracized not only by the religious people, but by everybody, because they were profiting off the occupation by the Roman government. And so they were, I, I would describe as the religious outsiders, but they were outsiders in every respect. The Pharisee, and you can look at his prayer in verses 11 and 12. Um, he relates to God based on his works. In his prayer, he tells God how good he is. He is trying to justify himself with God. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. These are my good works, God, that I am bringing before you. He approached God with his own righteousness. Um, it developed a spirit of pride. His prayer is only recorded. It's only two verses in the scripture, but it drips with pride. In his prayer, I think he mentions God once. He mentions the first person personal pronoun, I, five times. Well, bless his heart. That's what we say. You know, he does start with God, I. Thank you that I am not like these other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, that I possess. Um, there was a spirit of pride. The Pharisee was full of himself. But here's the thing. It created, in the end, a judgmental spirit. This is quite unbelievable. Not only does he say, and you see this in verse 11, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Well, boy, I thought you were talking to God. Why are you talking about other people in your prayer to God? Where's your focus? This isn't about them out there. This is about you and him. But God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. He, he goes further. He mentions extortioners and just adulterers. He has the gall to say to God, and remember, the Jewish people in those, they prayed out loud. There's people listening to this. How embarrassing. And even as this tax collector... Oh, that's a little rude. In your prayer to God to say, well, self-righteous, and I'm glad I'm not like that guy over there. And I don't know what he's got going on over there, but I'm not like him. When you relate to God through works, it will create a spirit of pride which will lead to being judgmental, looking down on other people. And we see that in the life of of the Pharisee in Jesus' story. He saw others' faults. He compared his life 
to others, which made him feel superior. Here's the kicker. His attitude and his actions not only didn't draw anybody to God, it was repulsive. His attitude and actions drove people away from God. Wow. Do you understand? Church people, you understand? We're going to make a point at the end. You're being set up today. When we relate to God out of works, it creates a spirit of pride, which leads to being judgmental. On the flip side of that, well, let me say this. That's not what the people saw in Jesus. When Jesus came, it was like, I mean, he starts his first, that sermon, that epic sermon, blessed are the poor in spirit, because that's who the kingdom belongs to, the humble. Uh, the tax collector. His prayer and his whole experience is contained just in verse 13. It says, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, I would contend this morning that the tax collector related to God and it's expressed in his actions and his words he related to God out of grace. And what I mean by that is he said, I, I don't have any works to bring to you to be in good standing with you. If I'm going to get with you, you're going to have to do it. And so I think his prayer comes from a perspective of grace, that I don't have any works, that God, I need you. And I think grace is contained when he says, be merciful I know mercy is not the same, exactly the same thing as grace, but I think he's expressing the same sentiment. God, if you don't take mercy on my life, I, I don't have any hope. God, you're going to have to do it because I can't. I would contend that the tax collector related to God out of grace, which led to uh, humility. I don't know where the Pharisee was standing you kind of get the sense they both went up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee's probably in a prominent place because it says that the tax collector standing afar off, he found him a corner to get into just to get with God. And so you see this sense of humility, uh, not pride that stands in the middle of the temple and Voices out loud, my spiritual sound in prayer. But a man, you just sense, and I think it says he's standing, but you almost sense of, at least in his heart, he's bowed before God. And it says he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. I mean, you get, what was the Pharisee doing? He was praying and he was looking around, which is not allowed in prayers. And we've, we've covered that with our kids during the blessing, you know, growing up. It's like, no, don't be looking around. You know, the kids go, Hayden had his eyes open during the prayer. What? Well, the only way you would know that is because your eyes were open, little hypocrite. 
Anyhow, he wouldn't even lift up his eyes. You see this humility in his life. Um, He saw his own sin. He saw his life from God's perspective, which was a perspective of humility. And I would contend what Jesus was contending for. He wasn't there to judge anybody. He didn't even judge the Pharisee like the preacher's doing for being judgmental. No, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know, we see this in the life of Jesus. The Pharisees related to God out of works, which led to pride and being judgmental. Jesus brought a kingdom culture. said, no, mm -mm, it's not what it's about. Because you relate to God through grace, which gives you a spirit of humility and makes you non-judgmental. How do we know that? (laughs) Because the people that Jesus hung around with, and it caused the religious leaders fits. He's gone to eat with sinners and tax collectors. In fact, Luke 15, the story of the hundred lost sheep, or, you know, I'm sorry, one lost sheep out of a hundred and one coin out of ten and one son out of two. Read verses one and two of Luke 15, and it'll tell you what the setting was. He was directing it towards the Pharisees who were being self-righteous and all uppity and uh, looked down on other people. They weren't compassionate towards others. And so Jesus didn't have those, that religious judgmentalism. You know what happened then? If we would say that the Pharisees' approach to God was repulsive to people, where did the multitudes go to when you read the Gospels? I know it got a little ugly at the end and everybody started fleeing. But anyhow, at least initially, in the happy clappy days, early ministry of the three years, uh, multitudes, multitudes of people that came to flock to Jesus. Why? Because he didn't judge them. He, he, he He didn't excuse their sin. But they were attracted to the gospel of the kingdom that speaks about grace and humility and judging not. Jesus' punchline in this story is the tax collector went to his home justified in a right standing with God because he knew he was a sinner. And the Pharisee who thought he was right with God, it at least implies, went down to his house unjustified, not in a right standing with God. And Jesus said, the principle at the end, anyone who will exalt himself will be humbled. But whoever, this is kingdom principle, whoever will humble themselves will be exalted in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God flips everything else. Um, Oh, look, I've still got six minutes left. Huntington First Baptist Church. 
to have culture that is saturated in the kingdom of God, that is a reflection of who Jesus was and the kingdom that he brought, came to bring, is based upon us understanding that all of us, including your preacher, only relates to God by the grace of God because of what Jesus Christ did. And that is to create a spirit of humility. Uh, let me say this. Sometimes our human nature is we can start in humility, but over the years, as maybe we get our lives together, like the Pharisees who started with good intentions of being holy with God, that pride begins to creep in and we begin to look at ourselves different than we did when Jesus rescued us from the pits. And we forget where we came from. It's not just that we start in grace. We live through grace. It doesn't matter if I was saved when I was 10 and I've been a Baptist preacher 30 some odd years. The reality is today I relate to God in grace which has to create a spirit of humility which leads to me being non-judgmental. It's not, it's not my place. I didn't do anything to get where I'm at. Uh, what I love, we had, a, we had a wonderful experience over at the FLC Friday night. If you were there, we had a celebration service of uh, some of the long-term uh, volunteers for Most Excellent Way, Dwayne and Roxanna Wade, Ann Porter, uh, Norma Griffin. Uh, wonderful evening. Great food. Nothing wrong with that, you know. Wonderful testimonies. Josh Lester finally got to speak. He's always wanting to speak. He's going, hey, Brother Darrell, now if you have to run to the bathroom during your sermon, just give me the, give me the tap, and I'll, I'll fill in for three minutes, and you can come back. It ain't happening, No. He got the microphone Friday night. Um, as a pastor, and I think most excellent way started in our church a little over 12 years ago. Uh, it blesses my heart because some of us need to be reminded where we came from. And that we only relate to God through grace, which creates a spirit of humility that reflects itself in the way that we treat others being non-judgmental. Uh, oh, let me just say it. It's healthy for us to have some people that don't come from a background like us to disrupt us. You can say amen to that if you want to. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's true whether you affirm it or not. And I think my challenge to you, and I, I think quite honestly, God has done a wonderful work in our church in the decades that have preceded us. And I think quite honestly, maybe of all the sermons I'm going to preach about a kingdom culture, I don't want to take pride in our humility as a church. That would seem a little ironic. But anyhow... Steve Bishop, I'm sorry, Steve Bishop always loved that quote that was written in Deuteronomy that says Moses was the most humble man to like ever walk the earth. And then you realize that Moses wrote that. You know, and you go, 
Steve Bishop just couldn't, he, just, he was so tickled by that. And he would say, he said, I always felt like my greatest attribute was my humility. You know? <laughs> uh, I think God's taught us some things. Do you understand church? We have to continue to live in that. And my contention would be, when we live, when we relate to God out of our works, it will demonstrate itself in pride, which will lead to being judgmental. And ain't nobody want to come and show up to a bunch of people who are being judgmental. Mm-mm. Repulsive. You know what is attractional? For us to say, it's only by the grace of God, which creates humility in my life, as long as I remember where I'm at, where I've been. And that I'm still there. Uh, it'll create a culture of humility and support to saying none of us have arrived. We're all still learners. We're still pursuing Christ. And uh, we're all on the journey together. Amen? Amen. If you don't like that, don't come back next week. This apparently is not the church for you. Thank you. That's my closing statement. Uh, it's, I really believe it's who we are. It's who we are. And if you're turned off by that, then we'll talk about you when you leave. <laughs> oh, Brother Shane, you really ought to come. You really ought to come. Come now. Yes, come. We ought to, we ought to do something. I tell you what, this Sunday, why don't we stand and sing a song, and we're going to open up the altar for whoever would come. I'm going to be at the front. You can talk with me. You can come to the altar. It may be a prayer of thanksgiving. It may be the prayer of the tax collector that says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Um, pray for us as a church. Let's pray for one another. Let's support one another. And let's continue to pursue God. So this is our time to respond to God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved How precious did that grace appear The hour I first believed Chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, is my sea raised, unending love. Amazing grace. The Lord has 
receive our offering at this time.